tuning into this thing. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Paul, one of the pastors here at Mariner's Church in Half Moon Bay. Uh, we are, we consider ourselves co-siders and we do what we do because we love God an awful lot and we love people an awful lot too and just love to see uh, the, the two connect. Remember your, your favorite toy? Think back in time. Remember, you know, the favorite toy you had in, in life? All kids have a favorite toy. Um, I had a younger sister, I have a younger sister, and she, like most little sisters, liked her dolls. In fact, she loved her dolls, and she had a number of dolls. She had soft dolls and rag dolls and dolls with pretty dresses and dolls with soft hair and dolls that would even wet themselves, but she had all these kinds of dolls, and one day we happened to pass a garage sale, and we stopped, and there was in the box a very large, hard, plastic doll. It was dirty, it had no clothes, and, and, and it was big. And my sister picked it up and carried it around, and so we bought it. And with all the other toys and dolls, this big doll became my sister's favorite. Eventually, Mom made clothes for it. And, 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 and actually, here's a picture of of what would be known around our household as Big Dolly. And my sister carried it everywhere and played with it all the time. And as the days and months would go by, it would be, get more and more beat up and more and more dirty. My sister didn't care. On vacations, we had limited space in our station wagon. And so my brother and I, we would each be allowed to bring a small toy, but Big Dolly was always welcome to be in the car. And you could not say anything against Big Dolly without my sister feeling it personally. Her attitude was, you love me, you love my Dolly. Now, the doll wasn't worth much, uh, not much at all, but to my sister and to my family, it became priceless. Why? Because it was loved. And this is something that we really need to understand. There is a kind of love that creates value. Value is created because the thing is loved. Value is created in the object because of the one who loves it. And in your Bible, there is a verse that says this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much... And you want to say, that much? Well, how much is, is, is that much? And the verse above it says, God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. <laughs> That's a whole lot of love. There's a lot of love there. And it means that we had this, this cancer called sin and we needed surgery to get it out. But we're way too weak to survive the surgery. So Jesus took the cancer on himself and took the surgery himself. Death on a cross. He sacrificed himself for us. It's what we spoke of just a few moments ago, taking the Lord's Supper. Now that's love. That's how much he loved us. And, and so in 1 John 4.11, that verse we read, I would expect it to say, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we need to love him back. That sounds where, like where it should go, but it, it doesn't say that. It says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, here it comes, 
we surely ought to love each other. Why? Because God loves that person. And his love creates the value. It creates the value in the other person. The value is created by the one who loves it. It's a package deal. My sister said, you love me, you're going to love my dolly. And God says, if you're going to love me, then you're going to love my people. It's part of the deal. Why? Because there's a kind of love that creates value. And God creates that in us for people all around us who are loved by God are to be loved by us. We're in a series that we are we're calling Uncomfortable. Um, and we're calling it Uncomfortable because, boy, you know, in our world today, there's a lot of things that make us uncomfortable. There are things that we're just, we just face day by day that are just uncomfortable. It's now uncomfortable going to the grocery store. I got a, another mask today because my other ones are uncomfortable. But, but there are big things in life, issues that we have to face that make us on the inside a little bit more uncomfortable. For instance, the guy with a sign on the highway that says, anything helps just after you've left the grocery store. That makes me feel uncomfortable because I don't always know what to do. The race issue in America, that will make us feel uncomfortable. But today I want to spend a few moments to talk about loving those that are hard to love. Because when there are people that are hard to love in our lives, it makes, it makes us what? It makes us uncomfortable. Um, there are people that are hard to love. I went to the, to the store the other day, and it was later in the afternoon, and I was hungry and cranky. And, and, and it just seemed to me at that point in time that all the hard to love people in the world were at Safeway. At that moment, in the aisle I was in, they were, they were all there. Remember that Smash Mouth song? You know, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of a, what, an L on her forehead. And we, we all know somebody who's probably not the sharpest tool in the shed or can't get with the program or don't have their act together or they keep making the same dumb mistakes. We all know somebody like that. And, and the old joke is, if you don't know somebody like that, well, guess what? You're, you're it. Do you have any of those people in your life? Yeah, of course you do. We all do. I mean, it's just, it's just the part of living. Now, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And if you read the life of Jesus, you will find that Jesus was pretty good at finding people that were the last the lost, the least, the losers. He seemed to have a knack for finding those people um, and spend time with them. First one that comes to mind when I think about the way Jesus would connect with people is a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is very short and very small and made up for it in power and control. And he became rich and just drilled people with it in his town. And they hated him and he didn't care. And when Jesus comes into town, he tries to see Jesus, but he's, he's, he's so short, he's trying to push his way in, and, and they won't let him in. They stand shoulder to shoulder and maybe even throw an elbow back at him. And so he climbs a tree, and Jesus, almost on cue, looks up and says to Zacchaeus, the most hated man 
in the town, you got to come down because I'm going to have lunch at your house. And then in the book of John chapter 4, there is a story of the woman at the well. And, and her, sto- her story is just, it's just sad if you look at the background of it. I mean, she's essentially the town tramp, and all the men like her for all the wrong reasons, and all the women hate her for normal reasons. And Jesus actually stops, talks to her, engages her in conversation. Matthew, one of the disciples, was a tax collector, traitor to his country, hated by everybody. Back in those days, if you had any kind of a disease, an illness, it was a sign that God was getting back at you for something bad that you did. And, and then you find out Jesus was spending all kinds of time with people that were blind and deaf and those that had leprosy. Because what he's really saying to us is, do you love me? Well, if you love me, then you'll love my people. Now, now, um, as we do an inventory um, in your head, you have people that are hard to love. I, you know, I have people in my life that are hard to love. And there are some people who are plastic and hard and cold and take too much of your time or are tiring or rude or monopolize the conversation and they get defensive and argumentative and they don't listen or they're needy and always taking and never giving. Do you have people like that? And, and, and you just think, I'm not sure I need this person in my life. And, and guess what we're called to do? We're called to love them with the same love which Jesus has for us. Or to love them that way. Um, it, it helped me to kind of just, just, just break it down in, in my head. Um, the different, I guess, hard to love people that are in my life. And there are those, I, I would say, whose hearts are just empty. Just people whose hearts are empty. And there are people in your relational world who have never really received or experienced love. Or, or they had it once but lost it. And, 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 and so their hearts are empty. They didn't ask for it to be that way. And these people are hard to love because they have a need for attention. And their need for attention and affection is so great that they take all that you can give and still want more. You're never able to give enough. You're never able to stay long enough. Um, and when you've missed the mark of what they need, they become angry at you. Wonder why you didn't give them more. And, 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 and they're the type of people that when you finally can get away, you just feel, you know, you, you, you leave feeling drained. Then there are those whose hearts are, are, are hurting. Um, you ever had a, like a wound or a bruise and all of a sudden somebody bumped up against it? Man, and you, just, you just jump away, you react to it. And, and, and I found in life that there are people whose hearts and lives are so hurting that when you say something and it touches on that wound, they go ballistic or they get angry or they just react back at you in a way that, you know, it's one of those, you know, where, where did that come from? And you don't know. And they pull away and they shut down. Well, it's because you've touched the wound. And, and so the next time you're a little more careful and you choose your words more carefully and you avoid issues, but sure enough, you, you hurt them again and they, and they respond and they react. And you just don't want to spend time with them anymore. And then there are those whose hearts are just hard, just hard. And this is sad because 
for some people, their hearts have been empty for so long, they've just given up. I mean, they've just said, I'm, I'm done. I, I kind of think of the woman at the well in John 4 was like this. Five husbands living with another guy, wasn't her husband. She's pretty much given up altogether. And, and, and there are some that feel, and this is real, and rather than feeling pain, I'm going to shut the pain out. And I'm going to disconnect from feelings. Even if my heart gets hardened, that's got to be better than feeling hurt again and again and again. And they become cynical and negative and they won't let you love them. And you want to say, why bother? Why, why even bother? And you see them out on the street or, or at school or a social setting. And, and something nudges inside of us. It's, 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 it's God that's moving in. And we hear God's spirit you know, whisper, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we're faced with a question for any of these people, hard-to-love people. How do you love hard-to-love people? How do you do that? We're told to, we're commanded to. There's something inside us, if we're Christ followers, that know we're supposed to. How do you you do it? And here are just some ideas you may want to write down. Um, First of all, number one is just learn their story. Learn their story. Around here, we see what the Bible says about Jesus' connection with people. And, and in the book of John, there's also the woman caught in adultery. And John 4, woman alone at the well. And what draws us to these stories and Jesus' connection with these people is the people begin, begin to become real to us. They become more than just a character in, in the history of Jesus. They be start to becoming real-life people to us. And you begin to get what's going on inside them that causes them to do the things they do. The woman at the well, Jesus said to her, you have had five husbands. Just cutting her to the quick. And the man you now have is not your husband. And, and once we begin to understand their story, it opens our hearts a little bit more. And it keeps us from closing down. A pastor wrote this. He says, I have a relative who's always demanding more time and more attention than I can provide. I will again be honest, I don't even want to call her anymore because I know a large part of our conversation will center on why I haven't called sooner. You know how this thing runs. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. So you just put it off and put it off and put it off. And some of you are nodding because you're saying, I know people like that. But then it goes on to say this. There's a story behind why she acts the way that she does. She's never known love. From her early childhood on, she was saddled with the responsibility of caring for her mother who was an invalid and who was overbearing and who never let her daughter socialize or date and, of course, never marry. She's now in her 70s and empty-hearted and extremely hard to love. But I've got in my mind her story. I've got to keep in mind that she didn't ask for the things that happened in her life and that maybe God could use me to extend love to her. 
but I've got to keep her story in mind in order to even stay open to that possibility. Everyone's got a story. I see Jesus in the story of Zacchaeus. It says when he got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your house. Jesus, who knew all things, knew exactly Zacchaeus' story. Make an effort to discover the person's story. Understand their story. Second thing is, adjust what you expect to receive. I, I, I think the, the bottom line, hard to love people are, are hard to love because they take more than they give back, don't they? They, 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 they? they just take more than they give back to you. And they drain you over time, and, and after you've been drained more and more, you begin to protect yourself. It's a natural reaction. You begin to kind of push away, you move back, you start to hide, you start, you start to screen your calls. Um, and, you know, I, I will admit my failure in, in this. A while back, I saw a guy at Pete's, and, and he is a talker, uh, a talker. You know, uh, you, you have talkers in your life. This guy is, is beyond that. He, he never stops talking. I mean, ever, never, ever. And I was in a hurry, and I purposefully did not stop at his table or even attempt to make eye contact. Why? Because it would drain me. And I'm not happy about what I did. The Bible would say this. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And, and, and you know, I read a lot of one-way love into that statement. God didn't get anything out of this. God did not say, you know, I'll, I'll send my son so you should show me love. It says he loved us and sent Jesus. The love was all his, all one way at the beginning. All his, all one way. And love by its very essence expresses. That's what love does. It expresses. And you say, well, if I keep giving and giving and giving, what, what, about, what about me? What about, what about me? And that's a fair question. That's a, that's a good question. And that's the third thing I would like to say is, is you and I, what we need to do is we need to start depending on a different source of love. We have to depend upon a different source of love other than the person giving back. Um, if you're in a situation where you're not receiving love because of a hard-to-love love person, and you're depending upon their love, then you're stuck. This is, the, this is the stuck spot that we get into. And so, you and I, we need an outside source. Jesus said this great statement, and, and, and it really kind of helps us understand the source. He says, yeah, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. There it is. When I remain in Christ and keep my closeness with Jesus there, when I abide in the vine, he will produce much fruit in me. I'm now drawing from his source. And then he says, from apart from me, you can do nothing. Our ability to love people comes because we've been filled up with the love of God. That's the only way it can happen. That's the only way it can sustain I guess I would say you need to 
get onto the source of a love of a very different kind. Not from others, but from God. So when you grasp and understand this incredible love that God has for you in Christ, and you experience that daily, all the time, it fills you with a love of a different kind that you now have an overflow to pour out to people. The Bible says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, there's one more thing you need to understand and we need to, to consider. Remember that you are that person that's hard to love. Did you realize that? I joked about if you don't know anybody that's hard to love, then it's probably you. But you know what? At every point, at some point in time, at some point in your life, you're going to be that hard to love person. Because of circumstances or situations, you're just not doing well. Your life's, life's kind of going haywire. You don't have the internal resources at that moment. You're going to need to take and take, and you're going to want people that can give and give. Um, at some point in time, we're all that person that's hard to love. And that's why God would say and Jesus would say, I want you to love one another. Love them the way I loved you. God says, boy, if you love me, then love my people. Love me, love my people. Love the ones that are always in last. Love those that are lost. Love those that are least. Love the losers. Love them, love them. The hard to love people. He says, love me, love my people. Prove your love to me by loving. And as we look around in life, there's a lot of big dollies around. Sold at a garage sale because not wanted, and yet they deserve love. Big dollies and rag dolls and broken dolls, and God says, love my dolls. You love me, you'll, you'll love my dolls. Because there is a kind of love that creates value. So value those that God loves. Value them. And love them, I mean, love them with all you've got. Love people. And in a moment, we're going to take a second, and we're going to pray. And God is alive, he's living, he's active, speaks into our hearts. Maybe as I've been talking, he's been speaking into your heart about somebody that you need to show love to. You've been avoiding them, you've been judging them, you've been hard on them. You don't even know their story. And I believe the power of God can give you a love of a different kind to love them. Even as we pray right now, I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me, if you would, please. Let me lead you. Father, God, your love for us was given while we were still sinners. 
we didn't deserve it. There was nothing particularly good about us. But you loved us because you are love. And now, God, you've placed that same love into our hearts. And right now, Lord, in this moment, reveal to us those people who need our love. Maybe people that we have been avoiding, pushing back, pushing away. I pray, Father, you would break our hearts um, for those that are hurting, those that are last, those that are unpopular, those that are least, those that are lonely, those that are unlovely. Help us to be just like you in loving them. So give us an opportunity this week. No, no, no. Help us make that opportunity, God. Walk with us as we do a loving thing for them. And thank you, Jesus, so much for your love for us. In your name, amen.